Welcome, everybody, to Way of the Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, 100 of the greatest bloody matches in professional wrestling history, and author on Segunda Caída blog. I'm uh, pleased to be joined today by one of my oldest and dearest friends, fellow uh, founder of the Segunda Caída blog, although I don't think he's written anything on it in, uh, in years and years and years, uh, Tom Caragasser. Tom, how are you, buddy? I'm, I'm good. Uh, actually, I think the last thing I wrote on the blog was uh, was uh, the Sangra Chicana retirement match. Oh, okay. Well, they're very appropriate because today we are talking about MS1 versus Sangre Chicana uh, from September 23rd, 1983, hair versus hair. I think that this is my pick for the greatest match in professional wrestling history. Where does it land in your sort of pantheon? Yeah, I, I feel pretty comfortable, like, greatest match. That feels right. If, in you, like, okay, in the Way of the Blade book, there may be, like, five, six matches I've never seen. But if you were to ask me what are, like, the real epic, epic matches, I would say, like, this and maybe Eddie JBL are the ones that I'm like, that's top-level epic um, what the fuck thing? Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. There's some. I mean, there's a lot of really good matches in my book. There's a lot of really good matches. <laughs> I mean, Sangre Chicana uh, Paraguayo is really goddamn great too. Yeah, for like your Sangre Chicana bloody uh, hair matches. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, but this is this is Arena Mexico anniversary show main event hair versus hair. It means as much. Like as in a, as a setting of any match in in wrestling history, right? As far as that's up there with main eventing WrestleMania, main eventing Starcade, main eventing yeah. a Tokyo Dome show. Like this is you know Arena Mexico, especially at this period and you know later. I don't know how much it means now, but uh, you know main event of an anniversary show is about as big as it gets as a venue. And these two guys, you know, deliver at a level that you know. I, very few have ever even come close to, I think would be yeah. fair to say. And uh, it's got, it's got a, it's one of the earliest hair matches that we have. Right. I don't know, well, really one of the earliest Lucha matches we have. Uh, so we know, it's like part of me thinks, is there something from like 75 that was as good as this? And, and maybe there was, right? The, and there are some things well, the, we've seen. The, the, was the Paradas versus Infernalis stuff that we've seen? Is that before this? Or I don't, I don't think so. I think this is one of the earliest matches uh, when we did the the DVDVR Lucha set. Um, this was one of the first matches on that. This is an answerable question. We can just look at what the the DVDVR Lucha set was. Um, this finished number one on the voting of that, as it should have. As it should. Um, uh, yeah, I think we had there was you know we had a couple of matches that were before this. Um, we have some stuff from 1980 with uh, that's like Sayama Hamada Aguayo Babyface, which is like a thing we got from Japanese TV. We got that there's that one show in '82, which is a UWA show that has uh, Centurion Negro Grand Hamada and Kanek Don Corleone. So we've got some stuff from Japanese TV, which is a little before this, and one right. trio, and then another match from this show. Uh, that uh, six man with uh, like the 
uh, Parada Herodes Colasetti versus Halcon Ortiz Mascarani 2000 Kevin Von Erich, which is fun, but not like amazing. So yeah, this is one of the earliest uh, Lucha matches that we have on tape. Um, there's clips and stuff from the 70s. So you don't know. It's hard to say, right, whether it was stuff of this quality just going on in Mexico a lot. It certainly stands out with the other stuff that we have around this era, although we have, you know, they have a match, a rematch of this in 1984, uh, the next year, also as the main event of the anniversary show, which is good, but not, you know, at this level. And you get a sense that running it back the next year must mean that they, that the people who were putting things together in CML thought this match was of that quality. Right, like right. If they're just going to go ahead and you know run it back right the next year. That must mean this is a match that people thought was exceptional. Right. Um, so you know you got you have a lot of you know sort of double disqu- you know, There's not a lot of usually not a ton of like angles to set up hair versus hair matches in Mexico. Like big, you know. Just, usually you've got a bunch of trios matches and two guys start deciding that they really don't like each other and you start having a lot of DQs and I think that was supposedly the setup for this. Obviously, we don't have a lot of the setup. Right. Um, but you figure, I think what the story was that these guys would just got into it, got into it in trios matches and got a bunch of disqualifications because they were fighting and then they had a hair match, uh, which is yeah. a fine... My, my memory of the mic work is just, hey, let a young guy get a shot which is a, a ridiculous thing for those guys have to be like three years apart. You know, like <laughs> was that the, was this, was Shikata the young guy or is MS1 no, the young guy? No, MS1. Okay, who's the young guy? And that's what I'm saying. MS1's like, it's time for us. Young, the young, let, let a young guy get a shot. It's, that's the only thing I remember like really for his like little Mike interview in the beginning. Yeah. yeah both- which is ridiculous. Cause they're like, like three years apart in age. Um, yeah, I guess Chicada was the bigger star uh, at this point. Um, the Technico in this. Um, yeah. MS1's a guy who... Uh, MS1 is the uh, highest rank in the Mexican secret police. Um, so what? this is like a gimmick of uh, that he's... Uh, I imagine the Mexican secret police has got to be an organization that isn't the... Um, most upstanding and pleasant to deal with. Uh, right. Yeah, like, was, was it like there's a wall street journal article that was like about how, how, why it was like a, why is it that there aren't any like uh, military hooked up with narco traffickers, uh, Rudo gimmicks. And you're like, no, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Like there's a Los Officiales or that. I mean, there are not a lot of technical cops in uh police officers in uh in Me- Mexican uh wrestling. I guess not a lot yeah. of technical police officer gimmicks in general, right? I mean, I'm trying to think. Is there a, is there? A, I mean, Big Boss Man was a babyface at one point, but oh, after right. he had already been a heel. I mean, I think there are legit cops, like uh, you know, like. Like the guys who are part-time cops and people. I think Don like Carnoto was a cop, but he never worked as a cop. Uh, I don't think. I don't think ever like Carnoto was like Officer Don Carnoto anywhere. Okay. Maybe. I think it might have been like an ICE agent, Don Carnoto. I don't know, something shitty. Um, 
<laughs> like, uh, but uh, yeah, so he's a guy that that's the gimmick is that he's a member of the Mexican. He's a high ranking officer of the Mexican secret police. So it feels like it feels like in a more gimmick laden uh, promotion than early eighties CMLL, there would have been a thing where he kidnaps Segre Chicada and tortures him for a bunch of hours. <laughs> you know, like as the, um, he's a guy who, oh, lo- he's, a guy, necessary. he's a guy who lost his mask to Ryo. Um, it, but apparently it was like a huge boon for his career because his mask was kind of boring and he's like a really handsome guy. Super handsome. Um, similarly, Chikata lost his mask, uh, and kind of same thing became like a the bigger Fishman? star, uh, three way to a uh, Cobarde and Fishman. Um, but similar things. These are both guys who kind of careers took off when they lost their masks. Uh, which is something, you know, you know, you never really know in Lucha. Sometimes that'll, you know, be the end of your career, basically, when you lose a mask. And sometimes in this case, the, both these guys become bigger stars when they lose their masks. Right. Um, maybe maybe, maybe uh, Stephanie McMahon was right about Ultimo, that he was a handsome man. And <laughs> That's should've... right. Right. Maybe maybe Bischoff was right about Ray Jr. and Hoovy, too, right? I mean, who do we know? I think, uh, I think that went the other way. I mean, Hoovy yeah. was a guy who was destined to be what he is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think Hoovy was on a train to Hoovydom, lose the mask or not, um, I think, uh, probably. I don't know, yeah. psych- psychosis, is this a guy who's better off losing his mask? Probably not. That was a really great probably. mask. Um, yeah. I really liked, like, I guess before he became a garbage worker, the, the little bit of the Nietzsche El Millionaro thing, where he was like, Raven essentially that was amusing, but uh, yeah, yeah, better off with a mask. Yeah, that was the that, that generation is kind of the lost generation in a lot of ways outside of Ray Jr., right? Like, all a lot Ray Jr. and La Parca are guys from that WCW Luchador era who had great careers, and most of the other ones, you know, I don't know, never really certainly lived up to their promise, I think. You know, when was the last time? I mean, what, can you list five post WCW Super Cala matches? The guy's really entertaining pre WCW. Yeah, I, guess the I mean v- I the Lucha. Some guy, somebody might show up at fifty. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Like there, there could, we still could have an incredible mid fifties Hooventud run somewhere. Um, at some point, yeah. that's in the mix. Ricky Marvin's really great as an older guy. Feels like yeah. a guy who. Uh, Kind of figured figured out how to how to wrestle as a as an, as a guy in his forties. So yeah, good point. Um, Chikata is a guy who, you know, I think he lasted a really long time. But I, when was his 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 peak for a guy who re- retired in what like twenty eighteen or something like that? Yeah, twenty eighteen. His peak was he was done by like the mid nineties as like a good wrestler. He had a long run as a guy who couldn't really move. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, super entertaining Ron as a guy who really can't move because on some level you can bleed and throw a punch as an old man. Like that's the thing, like the, the structure of this match, he's not doing the big dives, but there's, you know, the structure of get beat down and then kind of struggled back to your feet. You can kind of do yeah, this is. So let's talk a little about the structure because I think this is sort of a classic lucha libre structure, right? It and uh, you see a lot in a lot, and I kind of almost 
what I usually have been written about other Lucha matches. I'm like, oh, this has got the MS1 Chicana structure. And that is like MS1 jumps him at the beginning and, you know, spends before the, the bell. before the bell uh, and really sp- completely dominates him for the first, you know, 10 or 12 minutes of this match. Like Chicana gets in zero offense. He bleeds, starts really bleeding a lot. Um, it really gets worked over really, really violently and really impressively by MS1. It is, it's a hell of a, a hell of a one-sided beatdown. Um, like, yeah. So yeah, they don't even, the, you know, he's standing in the ring posing, uh, while the, before the bell rings and Chikata is like lying on the ground with like his belly fat kind of sticking out and just like blood squirting out of his forehead. Yeah. And, uh, sort of get, uh, so Dwayne, is that his mom? I think the lady, the first lady, I think is his mom. The one in the the white vest. They point out later on in the match as being as uh, Shane smoking nervously. <laughs> I think that lady is the other women. Uh, the other woman, the not the lady, the other lady that comes over is not. I think his mom. And there's a general like the lady in the orange sweater. I'm now watching this. That I don't think is a relative. There's a real, um, how can I put it? This is, there's, this is a match like for if your, your eighties Joshi fans were, were 10 years older and had their first kid. Like, like there is like that sense, like instead of screaming little girls, this is screaming women. Yeah. Watching this. And and like, it's like those women like coming over to help them and, and whatnot. That just feels like, that belongs. Yeah. And he, and he is somebody who, I mean, he looks, he doesn't, it looks like this is going to be over. Yeah. Right? I mean, it really is like just a complete destruction by MS one. I mean, and uh, you know, just absolutely wipes him out. And then you have, and wins the first fall without Chicana doing a single offensive move. Right. Right. Uh, and you know, and then they have this moment, which is like, I would just notice, like, it's also ridiculous that Sagra Chikata, with that level of, of blood, also is just as like, I need to replay it. I need more than that. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> a hair match. It's a hair match in Arena Mexico. If you're going to bleed in a hair match in Arena Mexico, you're going to bleed in a hair match in Arena Mexico. And yeah, MS1 pins him with like a super fly splash. And, you know, that's, that's, that's all she wrote for Fall 1 and then goes right into continuing to kick the shit out of him in Fall 2. Where it's just like, you know, kicks him again to the thing. Yeah, Chikata reblades uh, because, you Let know. Let me catch up. I think the other thing about that Superfly Splash is, is it is like he, I mean, MS1 is also a big offense move guy besides, you know, just the punching. And that is a, a he, that's a splash because later on it becomes a big issue where he misses splashes. That is a splash that's like two thirds of a way across the right. I mean, that's a huge distance that he takes. Gets a, get, doesn't get the height Snooker got on it, but gets a lot of distance. And he lands with a lot of force. It's a really good-looking Superfly Smash. Different, like I said, different than Snooker's, because Snooker was, Snooker had a, like, more vertical. This is more horizontal, right? He goes, he does go three-quarters of the ring and lands with real, a real thump uh, on Chicago. Yeah, but also, this is a match that, is big on make or miss dives, kind of changing momentum. 
And so you sat like he does. I mean, later on in the match, at the end, he does those big dives where he fucking keeps on missing. But you know that if he hits it, it's a fucking huge fucking dive. Right. And that's the, I think part of the reason of him having like, uh, uh, you know, when it, why it's so cool that he wins the first fall with it, right? Is because yeah. when it comes later, you know that that's like a that's a KO ball, that's a KO blow, that's a that's a lose your hair blow if he lands that and hits it on Chicana. Um, yeah, right. there, there's moments where you, yeah, there's a lot of like old ladies, you know, trying to wipe the blood off. I wonder if he's pissed at the old lady who's wiping the blood off of him. They don't wipe the blood off of me. This is a visual medium. <laughs> that just means I'm going to have to blade again if you clean me up like that. I gotta, he, I, he knows he's got to play to that crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, like, he, sure he didn't say anything, but he's got to be thinking, ah, shit, this just means I got to, this lady wiped me, this, this lady did her, like, uh, stitch, what's his name, cut man work on me here in this outside. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to open myself up again. She did, like, a really nice job. Um. And yeah, there's like points where he's just like punching himself to try to get like, you know, do the double thing of making himself bleed more, but also kind of like, I got to keep hitting myself to just stay awake here, stay alive because, you know, I'm, there's a chance that I end up, you know, this ends up being a blowout and I end up losing this, my hair without ever really getting a chance to compete in this match. The interesting thing is really that his, his selling because it's not, it's not like Ricky Morton facing peril selling, or 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 Shawn Michaels where you know he's like reaching for God to save him, or or at, at no point is he going to drop a, a strap. He never recovers for the entire match. He just is a he's a guy who's just going to just keep on fighting, crumpling and fighting to his feet. And just, you know, like that's that's the whole thing. Like he just is just gonna keep on trying to stay as right. stay stay in the game. Right. He get he's gonna keep on trying to stay in the game. Right. He never there's never a point where it's now it's now I'm ready to go. He's like, I'm I've I've lost a lot of blood, I've taken a huge beating. I'm gonna just keep fighting because that's all I know how to do. Uh but you know, uh what uh, there's nothing else for me to do, so I gotta keep fighting. So that's what he does. He keeps fighting, and it's pretty, uh, pretty tremendous. And obviously, you have this moment where MS1 misses a punch, and then Chikana hits one of the great punches in professional wrestling history. Uh, right. His left hook, uh, and it turns the entire uh, tide of the match with one big blow. And I really think that an isolated moment, that miss, punch, punch, tope, is what is the great one of the greatest thirty second sections of any professional wrestling match of all time? Yeah. Oh, um, that tope is ridiculous. Yeah, too. It's so good. I mean, the cool thing about this, I mean, these aren't none of the dives in this match are pretty dives. Like yeah. none of them look, none of them are Aerostar or Vikingo or you know uh, Dante Martin or any of that stuff. These are all just like a couple of guys hurling themselves into each other, you know, bloody violent. And then, you know, and that's how Chicana wins the second fall is, uh, is that big tope. And he just, and it evens it up. And now, okay, we're both messed up, right? Like we're, it's not like Chicana recovered. It's just like, all right, you're also in the same situation I'm in now. So the, the, now this third fall is going to be a pair of guys who have taken who are really really messed up and really really uh, in trouble, 
and we'll see what happens now. So you're right. It's a different kind of selling. It's not a I've recovered selling. It's I've just taken, I've just drug you down here with me. Now it's, now we're both here. And it's a question of which one of us can, you know, stand these next couple of minutes. Yeah. And there's no macho, no selling. There's no, I'm going to tough it out. It's just as like, I am going to struggle to stay in here as, as though it's like, I'm waiting till the end of a boxing round is what it feels like for the whole thing. Yeah. And that's this is kind of the, you know, I think the best professional wrestling can approach the best boxing. I mean, obviously, I'm an enormous professional wrestling fan. I've wrote, I write right. a book. I've got a blog. i got a podcast. I've been doing this for whatever, 25 years. But, you know, like your absolute best wrestling is the point where you're going, yeah, this is almost as great as your absolute best boxing. Your your baseline wrestling is probably better than your baseline boxing. It's it's worked. It's a performance. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to, you can, for the most part, have like a wrestling match that have, can be designed to have entertaining things where you can certainly have seen plenty of uh, fights over the years, which are kind of dull. But like, you know, when you, this is what you're, is like, uh, you know, um, Castillo Corrales or yeah. Gotti Ward or Ali Frazier. I mean, that's what you, what you are at when you get here. You know, this yeah. approaches also, that. Those are not how you should. Like, like those are also not boxing matches that are like how you should fight a fight. Like, it's not, you know, like in theory, the, the guy who is, is doing a lot of shoulder stuff to mitts so no one's connecting with them. It's not happening here. Right. This is, this, mean, this is guys ball eating punches. Yeah. I mean, this is this is actually you know unsurprisingly the way great Mexican boxing is. Yeah. Right. This is these are these two guys make the made their rap the same way Julio Cesar Chavez made his rap. Right. Like it's a very similar thing. Like your idea of Mexican boxing isn't guys avoiding punches. Right? Like the great Mexican fighters aren't necessarily. Uh, shifty, they're guys who come straight forward and, and get into wars, and that's the that's how guys make their legend. I mean, to the point where you know, even you'd see uh, you know, American fighters, non Latino fighters would say, "Oh, I, I like to fight Mexican fighting. That's my style." Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you also see. I mean, you see that even in your kind of your like shittiest lucha opening trios matches. Is there's the you know where there's the way that it's you don't have a face in peril you have a guy like at no point does a guy like run to the to to get out of the ring so one of his two partners can get in no he's staying there he gets knocked out of the ring he comes back in he's just gonna like he's gonna wait it out until one of the rudos you know you know slips and and then they then they have the advantage right you know, yeah, like there's not a point where you're going to run to your partner. That doesn't happen. Right. He doesn't get a moment. He doesn't really ever get a moment of catharsis in this. It's never like he Ch- uh, Chicana gets a moment where now it's me and my turn. It's more like I've, well, you know, I've survived this. And now you're also covered in your in blood and well, you know, one of us will survive and one of us won't, but it's never like he gets, he doesn't ever get you right. He never gets that moment of like, yes, it's Chicana time. The Chicana no. stirs are going out. No, it's like, okay, I'm, I've also, 
I'm also never going to be the same after this. Neither of us will be. And, uh, the, and uh, if there will be no winners in this, one of us will get shaved and one of us won't. We both lost. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a pretty compelling story. I mean, there's a reason his mom is smoking so much. This doesn't look good for her son, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's always like, I don't know if anyone makes that criticism anymore, but it used to be people would be like, they, they don't like Lucha because there's like so many changes in momentum. And you're like, for the most part, there really isn't. Like, it's, it's like people who don't like basketball, like football fans who are like, there's too many changes in momentum in, the, in basketball games. There's lots of changes in possession. There's not really that many changes in momentum. Like right. the, the things will go back and forth, but there's no, like the momentum changes are few. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, MS One is is leading this entire match, right? Like he, yeah. even when he, even when he gets, he's you know by the end by the third fall, he is absolutely bleeding as much as Chick- he doesn't lose as much blood over the course of the match, but he he's lose at the end. He's bleeding more than Chikata does. Just Chikata bled longer. Right. I don't know if they had a, they, you know, if they don't have a, they have a, if they don't have a gallons lost stat in in Lucha, but you know, they, they should, it's, uh, you know, I think Chicana lost more gallons by the end of the match. MS1 has opened it up as much in a way that I appreciate from him. That's a handsome guy, right? He's going to go, but yeah, you well, know, it's also MS1 does. I mean, Chicana, I think always has had the blood going down his chest and his belly where where ms1 is guy who comes in blonde and doesn't leave blonde which is which is always a great wrestling thing is when the guy with the bleached hair doesn't leave with that same color and then the third fall has this huge moment where ms1 goes for a tope and shikana doesn't just sidestep him, but just but abs but beals him head first into those Arena Mexico wooden chairs, and just like as crazy a bump. I don't. Know. I mean, this, this cool thing about this match is how kind of you know this looks like a 1982 Scorsese film or something like that. Like it's so <laughs> grimy looking, and it really and that and that bump is like. There are some bumps that you see here that are huge, impressive feats of athleticism, but that is just like, oh my God, he just went, he just didn't, you know, the recklessness of that and the violence of it is really tremendous. Yeah, that, that, it, it, it's kind of hilarious because we all have seen Arena Mexico now, and Arena Mexico looks like such a, like a clean Disney space. And it really does not at this point. No, it looks like right. a, I mean, you know, that's, is, that's the visual thing about, you know, 70s and 80s wrestling that is so great that isn't true anymore. Is it is not a, you know, that's the thing that WWF did, right? Is they turned this into a place that everybody always brought their kids to wrestling, but it didn't feel like you should bring your kids to wrestling in like Arena Mexico <laughs> 1983, right? This was like, it's it's like the, it's Times Square then versus Times Square now, right? This looks like 1983 Times Square versus current, uh, you know, even, even you know, Arena, even places in Mexico, you know, Arena Mexico looks like Times, you know, Disney store, MMM store uh, Times Square versus, right. you know, porn shop, uh, you know, falafel spot, uh, yeah. pawn shop, Times Square, which is what this yeah. looks like. 
Yeah, this is, yeah, very much. Uh, uh, so I'm just watching that dive again. Do you see the crazy way that MS1 kind of rolls out of the ring before he takes the dive? Yeah. His bump out of the ring. Oh, my God. Kind of like hits the back of his head on the way out because he's like just so out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the great thing about like, if, like oh. if you're going to do something stupid in your lucha career, if you're going to do it. When you're in a, a Puestas match at Arena Mexico anniversary show, right? Like, if you got three stupid things in you, they're coming out in this match, right? So, right. I don't know if that's a signature MS1 bump. I hope, I probably not. But it's like, all right, this is where if I'm going to do that bump, I'm going to do it in this, in this situation here because we are, you know, like at this point, the ring is just absolutely just painted with the blood yeah. of both of these guys. I mean, it is. God, you know, it's just watching this match again and sort of we're talking. God damn, this is a good match. What what great wrestlers both these guys are. You know, we don't have as much MS1. We've got a little more Chikata. You know, that, that I, I think the idea is that this all of this stuff is in the vault somewhere on Televisa, right? Is that well, the I theory? Mean, it's, un, it's unclear what, like, I mean, whether Televisa is the kind of people that kept stuff either. Right, because I, you know it's like there's got there's ought to be other because Chicago Aguayo is something that I mean it's not new but it came out at, you know while we were putting together the '80s lucha set that was a long time ago at this right. point but new, newer than this match and that's almost as good as this. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing we don't know what collectors are out there and that's yeah. the, that's that's who knows because you oh. got you got to figure that there's. I mean, Chikana is at such... MS1's amazing in this, too, but Chikana is at... This is an all-time professional wrestling performance by Chikana, and he has some other ones like this. But it's not like we have all of the Chikana, you know, a plus this match. It's like they're even close, right? Uh, well, also, let me... Uh, this is this is the point where you go into cage match and see if he has anything in Houston... Uh, <laughs> is, this the, is this the point? Have we come to the point? I've definitely established. I uh, this isn't. I have no reason to curse the day. Oh yeah, right. I've, we'll see if he has anything in Houston, for, so I can. You know, people who are playing us. Uh, uh, Way of the Blade Pod Bingo can check off. Uh, calls Billy Corgan a motherfucker, which I haven't done yet, yeah. and may not have a reason to in this podcast. But I guess we'll see. Uh, but I think. I mean, I think. Chicana has a bunch of UWA stuff that's never going to show up. I think he's not. It's not just EMLL stuff that's never going to show up. He, I, my I mean, guess the EMLL is stuff is the stuff that might, right? I mean, that you know, I don't think there's any. I mean, I just think that UWA stuff just so much that was never recorded, right? Um, but I, I don't know if he's a guy who ever really worked America. Well, he worked Puerto Rico. It says here. Oh, who do you work in Puerto Rico? I bet that's okay. <laughs> That's a weird. Oh, he had a cage match with the Strub. <laughs> he looks like he had a feud and a cage match with the Strub. With the Stro, not Super Astro. The Stro. Okay. Uh, I think I just lost it. Hold on. That uh, <laughs> fight. What, what year would have that been? I, what, what was the the Stro's a guy of some time for? Yeah. Kind of an amusing. That's an amusing guy. That would be that would be an amusing thing to show up. Yeah, all right. 
So look, let's look. So nothing. They don't. I mean, it, it, it's Sangra Kijikana. Who knows how good cage matches? They don't look. Doesn't seem like there is anything listed in Houston. Uh, right. So there is no. There's no secret. No Billy Corgan is keeping us from Chikada. So all right, he gets he gets a day off, a week yeah, off here for this. Like, it looks like he worked uh, 95 and 96 in uh, World Wrestling Council. And he had a, a, a series of matches with Gorgeous George III that ended in a cage match. Okay. I mean, there's an 82 Satanic, two 1982 Sakonico hair matches. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's, I mean, how, that's got to, you got to imagine that that's, I mean, I can't imagine that's as good as this. I don't know if anything in wrestling history has ever been as good as this. That's got to be in the mix, right? Right, and then you know we have the one pair of Guayo hair match, but there's also a bunch of other ones um, right. in the in the late '80s. Um, yeah, you know it's got one. In, I imagine your T- 1989 Tijuana Paraguayo a hair match. Tijuana's got a certain vibe to it that I imagine would work pretty well with those two guys doing their thing. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a guy. He's just a guy who's and so you know and lost his. Won a bunch of hairs in the 2000s. Brought one brought him Morgan's hair twice in 2000. I don't know how, what, I don't know where he was in 2000. Lost his hair to Satanico in 2019. Yeah, that's that's the retirement match. Okay. Oh, that's the retirement match. Is, is, that was a hair it's match. It's a hair retirement match. I think uh, his daughters, I know at least several of her sons are there. So there's like, you know, like one of those you know, hold an opponent for son to tope and miss kind of thing. He's Uh, got, I mean, his daughters are all, I think, successful. Yeah. His son, I think was okay. I've seen his son, Russell is, you know, not, not one of the sons who, who is that, you know, not, he's not all here. The soccer strategy is not all here to Santo or Hoover to Guerrero. We see sometimes see he's more Liz Mark Jr. It's like, yeah, that's right. This guy's okay. Not, not going to do it. Not going to do what his dad did. Um, I just really go about Sarge Kata. The, his nickname, do you, you know his nickname, right, Tom? Uh, you the, you've the, got a better Spanish uh, pronunciation than me. Elimado. The, 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 he's the he's the, he's the lover of scandal, isn't the, he? The El Imano de Escandalo, the king of scandals. The it's king just, of scandals is an incredible. How is that? How, how is that not a Cameron Nick? How could Cameron not nickname himself the King of Scandals at one point in like, you know, two thousand three? That's incredible. There, there's like a, a point early in the match where uh, one of the one of the uh, one of the announcers says something like talks about like how he talks with uh, Sangra Chicana. He's like, "This is this is what you expect from him," because he says like. From the moment he leaves the the dressing room, like he brings death with him, that the, the like like death is his uh, his companion as soon as he's in the ring, is his constant companion. Something like that. It's like ridiculous. Any second, death is just sitting there waiting for him. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, I'm trying to it's think. It's a Catholic country. That's how you do things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, he wrestles the the match like a guy who any second death is right. I mean, that is that is how he works. That's not like, it's not like a guy with, that's not an inappropriate nickname. The, he, death feels very close to him in this match, right? I mean, it does yeah. feel like a guy who who is in a movie, 
or something. This would be this would be a a beating that would kill him, and his you know f- friends would have to like in an action film, right? This would be the end of Sangre Chicada. This match, yeah, um, yeah. I'm doing I'm doing the th- the Lucha, Luke, Lucha Wiki is usually easier. The cage match on this MS One is a Negro Navarro hair match in 1988 in an yeah. unknown arena. So I don't know if we'll ever see that, but I imagine that's pretty good. Um, I bet you. I mean, wasn't I think MS One was? Uh, I'm not sure if it was IWRG, but he was a he was like a I thought he was like a promoter in Nakapon. Yes, they said it's uh, says a promoter in some small arenas in Nakapon, and there was an Infernales team with MS One Junior and an MS Two um, that uh, working like in the in the late nineties. Um, you know, where he, where he was a member of kind of, you know, mostly was a trios wrestler after this, um, right. with Infernal as, um, you know, great, uh, which was a, gr- a great, uh, Rudo team with Mascara and, and Satanico. Like, if you're watching this match, that is really a work rate move set team at the point. Like that is, that what they do is great. But it's not this, right? And he work. And he he does a lot of stuff in this match for yeah. for a lucha. This is there's work work rate in this match in the sense he's a guy who uh, you know they, there's a bunch of missed dives and you know the flip senton that he misses the topes. You know he obviously lays in a big beating, but there's at some point where he breaks out some flash and and in that in some ways is his downfall, right? Like maybe he should if he kept it. If he kept it grittier, he may win this match, but he's like a pretty guy who wants to show off a little bit to the crowd and, and you know, it didn't it ended up sort of backfiring on him. Well uh, those when, are I mean, like all the dives in that have a very Larry Zabisco ringside telling you these are big make or miss moves. If you hit them, they're huge. I mean, in Sagrach you got him when he hit that that tope, that's huge. If you miss a we the superfly splash is huge. If you miss it, you know, it's a match that Larry Zabisco should have called. Yeah. <laughs> Larry Zabisco also, I think, would have had a really, really great uh, um, hair match against either of these guys in this period. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy who never, yeah. no, guy who never worked Mexico, but feels like, I mean, there's an alternative universe where he had a big run as a, as a, Asshole Rudo in Mexico. Can you imagine how great Larry Zabisco would have been as a guy throwing tortillas into a crowd in like Arena Mexico as a fucking asshole? That American flag. He's such a hateable guy normally. Yes, he would have been amazing. I mean, you could. Yeah, the, there could be. So you could be a pretty mediocre performer and get over pretty hard as a guy with the, waving an American flag and throwing tortillas. Right? Like that is not something that that's hard to do. Andy Andy Barrow got really. You know, like uh, you know. Uh, Jeff Jarrett got a lot of, I mean, you know, you don't have to be an incredible heel to get a lot of heat in Mexico doing that. But uh, Zabisco, especially what a, what a contemptible piece the- of shit he was under normal circumstances, <laughs> much less. Uh, I can just imagine him, you know, with the full on swearing an a- sombrero, like a prick. <laughs> yeah. Him just pointing to someone in the audience <laughs> made them lose it. So I'm looking up uh, also MS one, on this thing, uh, did not work Houston, so Billy Corgan's fine there. He does work two UWF shows, 
I feel like we've seen at least one of them, although I do not remember this one where he supposedly, these maybe where he was uh, teamed up with Bob Della Sara versus, uh, I don't remember either of these. It says he worked. Wait, he worked uh, UWF in Japan? Yeah. No, MS1 we, we definitely have not seen MS1 work UWF in Japan. Does he have like a log Fujiwara signals or something like that that we need to? <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the first UMS, uh, the first uh, UWF. So there's a Russia Kumura and Rumia Go versus MS1 and Bob Delacera working as uh, working as uh, UFO. And there's an MS1 versus Phantasma. Uh, match in 84 in, in UWF. So this was in really early UWF then. Yeah, like before 84 the first... UWF. Oh, okay. Which I thought we saw all of, as well, at least as much as made tape. Yeah, yeah, I thought we did too, but I don't, I do not remember seeing MS1 work. So he did, so it's a little bit like people said, isn't it crazy that Dutch Mantel worked a shoot style fed? It's like, no, it wasn't a shoot style fed when Dutch Mantel wasn't worked. It wasn't a shoot style fed when Dutch Mantel worked. And so it's not, it's not like he just worked a Dutch Mantel match against Maida, which is a, you know, it's a fun match. I don't want to. Yeah. Well, although, although, like, if you're going to bring in MS1 and Phantasma, you would, Thing. If you're gonna pay to ship those guys in, you would think you'd put that on a tape. Yeah, what the hell, Bob Delacera. Yeah, I want to see Bob De- Delacera. I like, I like that guy. So there's a some Bob Delacera handhelds of UWF stuff. Maybe, maybe Bob Delacera's got. I think he's a guy who may have taped his own matches. Uh, <laughs> to reach out to the heirs of Bob Delacera and see if he can get us and get our hands on his one MS one tag. Although you know, I mean that. That early UWF stuff was stuff I have a lot of time for, but maybe not the, you know, the, like the figuring themselves out um, era of UWF. Maybe not yeah. the best. <laughs> no. no. Also, I doubt that any of those were like over like 10 minutes. Yeah. So. And not but the, still. But what's the, I got to find this now. What's your, what's your card of your, uh, of your two uh, MS1 and UWF matches? Like who's in, who's your, who's in your, uh, who's in your, uh, wait, hold on a second. I got to, I got to find this here. I'm going to find, uh, um, I'll find this. this. This one was filled with luchadors. Uh, so actually your, your main event is Maeda and Fujiwara versus Takata and uh, and uh, and the first ti- and uh, Tiger Mask? Yeah, that's got to be pretty good, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. something that we don't have. Why, why, where's Chris Zellner? Why, do we yeah, need to a... do we need to like uh, Skype in Chris Zellner to figure out what what? Uh... I mean, it feels like that. That, that sounds like a match. God damn it. Hold on a second. I'm going to edit out a lot of this just uh, of me and you stumbling over our attempt to, to, get, uh, to figure stuff out on uh, a cage match. Um, also, used that the opener was uh, uh, Yamazaki versus Gaio Tapato. Okay, so we definitely that I definitely have at least the at least the main event of this is on tape because I've reviewed the main event of that uh, okay. show. So, of both shows, I, I've got, I reviewed the Fujiwara matches on both of those shows. Okay. So, you know, there we go. 
Wait a second. You reviewed a Akira Maeda versus Pierre Martel? No, no, I reviewed the Fujiwara matches on both those shows. <laughs> okay. So, so that so was uh, Leo Burke and Rocky Delacera. Okay. Yeah. I've got, that, there's a review of that on Sagudica. Folks want to see the undercard of my, what I thought of the undercard of Takata, Fujiwara, Leo Burke, Rocky Delacera. That review is available on Sagudica. I thought <laughs> it was fine. Oh, I thought it was great. <laughs> okay. I remember really like, yeah, I remember this actually watched this relatively recently. I remember really liking Leo Burke in this. Like, wow, Leo Burke is incredible in this match. So there you go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I reviewed that match like in September. So it's like stuff. So at least that showed up pretty recently, or at least I saw it pretty recently. It's like, I remember. So do you have, do you have that? Do you have that full show? No, just that one match. I think showed up. (laughs) I think that match showed up on, like I said, I think it showed up on like a Rocky Della Sera YouTube channel, like of Rocky Della Sera's YouTube channel. Okay. Yeah. And it looks like what I have is his nickname is El Amo the Scandala, which is the lover of scandals. Oh, okay. So the lover of scandals, the king of, okay. Fine. That's a great name too. Yeah. Yeah, Rocky Delacera's got a YouTube channel. So maybe I don't know if Rocky Delacera has the whole show. Um, but if you want to look at other Rocky Delacera stuff, uh, he's on YouTube. He's on YouTube. Okay. So I got to contact Rocky Delacera to find five, like a 13 minute match with, with FS1. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, absolutely do. That's a fine thing to do. Maybe, does it, you think Rocky Delacera wants to come on Wave the Blade? Okay. Maybe I, damn it! Maybe maybe I should have. I feel really frustrated that I'm talking about this match with you because probably what I should have been done was talking about this match with Rocky Delacera. That ah, fuck. <laughs> I guess if I, I guess if Rocky Delacera wants to talk about MS1, we can we can re-record a a sequel to our podcast with me and Rocky Delacera breaking down uh, 1983 a Lucha. Feels like you guys might have some opinions on <laughs> that- it. That's what I was thinking about with the, the Kendo not when I was looking at the, the, the Kendo Nagasaki versus Miyuki. I was like, who's the better person to talk about this? And then I was like, oh, look, Kim Duck, who, like you talk about, is being washed up. I think him and Parada are the only guys, as I think, who are still working. Yeah, I mean, I, Don Morocco's a ringside of that match. not like Don Morocco's going to make my book in any other context <laughs> like, a, but i'm saying the, the only people who are still working right now of the of of your your ringside people it would be hilarious parada of all the great parada things be like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> that's really funny um but we'll talk about that match next time uh okay. we do a podcast uh, so what was okay. your what was your sort of history with this? When did you, you remember the first time you saw this match? Like how did you get together. how did you get into lucha? How did I get into lucha? Um, I think the first way I got into lucha is uh, uh, when I was in elementary school. I would go to the the, the movies. Remember the, the the Ontario Movie Theater, which I think was probably a jeans store when you were there. Okay. Do you know Do you know where I'm talking about? I do not. Uh, it would be okay. So that that uh, there was a movie theater that played like third run movies and, and lucha movies and lots of Spanish genre movies. It mostly was a place where people went to shoot heroin, and I would skip school and watch movies 
that way and not and try to avoid sitting on heroin syringes. <laughs> so that was like my, that was my early. I think that's my early experience with Lucha. And then it was on the Scene Network, uh, uh, which is I think a precursor to Univision. That was like broadcast in the neighborhood we lived in. This is Washington, that, the nation's capital, Washington D.C. In D.C. So yeah, so the the SIN network uh, had 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 CMLL, and then after that, I think I um, there was a point. What year would that have been? Like I guess ninety three. I was in Mexico right around the point that uh uh what's the name what's the name of the guy who lost uh who wins all the matches and is dressed like a clown I'm forgetting the names real quickly uh the Super right no right at the point that super muñeco turned heel i was in mexico around there in the summer and 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 so i saw some lucha at that point like not anything particularly good but it, but it was like i was like oh this shit is great and I'm already a wrestling fan at this point, and I was like, this shit is great. Yeah, I mean, even bad live lucha is pretty good. Yeah. Like, that. even the worst live lucha I've seen is still good lucha, right? Like, there's, like, you know, even... I, I saw, like, once, like, a, a match in Acapulco on, like, a basketball court with maybe a mini La Parca. You know, nobody else. And it's like, oh, this is great. What a what a blast I'm having watching this match in Acapulco on a basketball court. Uh, you know, I feel like a sucker for paying the $5 when I could have just, you know, watched it from outside the fence of this basketball court like everybody else is doing. But I, I can't imagine. What, what a great time I'm having watching this. And, you know, I, I think I'm trying, I saw some a Lucha show once at an Oakland swap meet where basically nobody was, you know, all local luchadors, pretty good. The local luchadors I've seen in Denver have been good. I mean, lucha is something that, you know, at its worst is still pretty great. And then obviously at its best, which this match is, it's the best. Yeah. I mean, when when we were live, living in Arizona, Phoenix is like Denver, where there's like, why are there five competing lucha feds? What could possibly be the money behind five competing local lucha feds? It doesn't make any sense. But... There, there's local lucha and there's local it's like worth going to see yeah um and uh yeah that is one of the cool things about where i live now is lots of lots of lots of lucha, lucha and lucha that'll bring in you know these sort of icons to work you know on top of like guys that are you know uh plumbers and 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 sanitation workers and in mass on underneath and both things are cool. Like it's cool to watch Negro uh, Negro Casas, and it's cool to watch Alhita Santo, and it's also cool to watch local luchador acts. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it, I think one one of the lucha feds was run by guys who did uh, reupholstering, <laughs> and and the other one was run by guys who did roofing. Was, was, and then, then there were a couple restaurant tours, is what I remember. The Phoenix scene. Yeah, Denver's like that too. I think what I, I know at one point I never went to one of these shows because uh, it was really hard to find out when they were happening, and often find out that they happened after they already happened. There was one that was just run at the back of like a, um, uh, like a like a marble uh, uh, factory. They made like marble <laughs> floor tops, and they would run lucha shows at this thing. I don't know if they. I don't know if they've. 
return to doing that post-COVID. Out of the multiple Lucha shows in Denver, that was always the hardest one to figure out when they were happening. Like, you always find out, like, oh, man, yeah, you missed Headhunter A at this marble factory. I'm like, shit, I <laughs> countertop store. I would like to watch Headhunter A at a countertop store uh, under any circumstances. Inform me of this countertop, countertop store Lucha Fed. This is something I will pay 18 to $25 to go see 100% of the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, I, you know, I, like, I think I mentioned this in the pot already. We saw New York Casas recently. Uh, saw Sadika. Yeah, they've canceled his New York show. I'm pissed off about that. Oh, that's a bummer. Because uh, yeah. he's he's really at, at I have him, I think, at coming at into like his, you know, his 70th peak as a professional wrestler, right? You know, like <laughs> peak number 70 in his mid 60s, right? He's had other, you know, the, no, this isn't 94 Negro Casas, but, you know, it's, it's 20, 21 Negro Casas is pretty great too. Uh, so if he comes also back, guy to your... really works for a live crowd. Like he knows. Yes, I remember seeing him, and when we seen him live, we you know you just want to watch him on the apron in these yeah. trios matches. You wouldn't even be watching what's in the ring. You just like let me see what Negro Casas is doing here, hanging out on the apron uh, with these guys. Yes, the best. There, uh, there's there's like there's like an LA Lucha match the, from I don't know when. That's like that, where like the local luchadors are good, but you're like you're like you keep on being distracted because you want to see what Negro Casas is doing on the apron. Yeah, him biting his knuckle on the apron because his partner's getting beat up is more entertaining than what's going on in the ring. I mean, that was true when I saw him in Arena Mexico when he was like in a trios match with like all huge stars in an Arena Mexico show. You still just want to watch him on the apron. You know, you know, even if he's teaming with like Santo, it's still like, I want to see how Negro Casas is reacting to what Santo is doing versus uh, versus what Santo is actually doing. Um, I'm doing yeah, and then both of these guys, I think, were very good trios wrestlers, too. You know, Chicana, is at, this is Chicana's, you know, this is where he was obviously at his greatest in the sort of, you know, all this end of a raging bull kind of ugly, you know, fist fight with it all on the line. Um, right. Is, is him at his peak as a performer. And maybe, maybe... Where what are some other individual professional wrestling performances do you think that were at this level? Like if you had to make a Rushmore of guys having a performance in a match. I mean, I started when I said at the beginning, like the two matches that I stand out to me in the book are always this and Eddie JBL, where where Eddie is just like that's ridiculous. Yeah, Eddie uh, Eddie in that match is really up there. I'm trying to think it's of ridiculous. Like, I'm trying to think of uh, other matches in this book. I mean, it's probably going to be a match that has blood in it. I mean, Lawler <laughs> in the match. This one doesn't have blood in it, but Lawler in the match where he gets squirted in the eye with ink. His his Dundee hair match, right? Uh, Dundee loser leaves town match where he gets squirted in the eye with ink and has to work the match around the one eye is pretty incredible. I mean, the, thing, the thing is, like, I mean, Lawler. I mean. Eddie's there's the, it's what is the moment where you're a really consistently great wrestler and then you just step up to an to another level that that is just like ah oh, man it's hard to I get it's hard to get at this right I mean I 
there's probably, I mean, Kawada I mean, did, did, in the did, famous did, did 94 match the, is probably up there. I mean, uh, you know. Did you watch the Lawler, uh, the Lawler Rodney back match from like three weeks ago? No. How was that? <laughs> so, I mean, it, it ends in a GQ, but like, like the, you know, so it's, it, you know, like brought in from the back, but you're like watching this. The, these are people who know how to build a match in a way that you're like, oh shit, this could actually step up at any moment. Like it doesn't, but there's, <laughs> never, you know, there's a but if it did, you'd be like, okay, I could see that it would. Yeah, but you're like, oh, like these, like, like that early part of the match where you're like, building up like steam before it gets really cooking is like yeah like they're guys who can just do that and then they'll be able to do it forever and then it's just a question of when they can cook right i don't well, know they, they may not be able to cook anymore but they can simmer uh, like motherfuckers. Up. Yeah, Chikata was a guy who I don't know how much he could cook in the 2000s, but there, there's some simmer in even his like later stuff where he feels like a guy who can't, can, can't, has to be helped into the ring. Uh, his yeah. body is so broken down. But yeah, has, but you're like, at any moment, some shit's going to happen. Like he's, he's the lover of scandal. At any moment, some shit's going to go down. Death is following him. Uh, accompanying him to the ring. All right, my friend, do we have any other uh, thoughts about this match as a as a match? It's it's certainly watching it again and talking about it again. It hasn't lost its spot on my list. Um, no. So if anybody is listening to this and has not seen this match, I mean, it's on YouTube, pretty good video quality for 1983 Lucha Libre, right? Like it's, it's watchable. It, it would be incredible if, if, I, if I got, we got this on a videotape, but it was this video quality. We're a little spoiled by video quality in 2021, but certainly very watchable. Certainly very yeah, entertaining. There, there's, there's one version on, uh, on YouTube that says uh, that they, they like up the video quality and I couldn't tell. <laughs> like, you, you say so I'm like yeah if you say so but also it should be said if you're going to see something in grungy like 70s Scorsese Arena Mexico well 80s Arena yeah. Mexico that just feels like a 70s movie yeah like, you know I don't do want this really, to be pretty do you really need, do you really need that, that much good no. VQ I don't know no, you don't want this in HD you want this in SD? Is there something lower than SD? Yeah, you want it to look like it looks, which is, you know, that you're, you know, taking a window into something uh, that you're not part of and probably don't want to be part of, but are, are happy to be a, a spectator of, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to think, I don't think I wanted to be in, like, you know, when you're talking about like matches you want to see live, this would be incredible to see live, but also it's like, man, do you, do you make it in and out of Arena Mexico in 1983 with your safety? Uh, uh, okay. I mean, I've been to Arena Mexico later than that. I went to Arena Mexico in the 90s, and, you know, I wasn't feeling 100% comfortable in my surroundings. As somebody who grew up in places where I had been in plenty of places in my life where I haven't felt comfortable, shouldn't have felt comfortable in my surroundings and did. You know, I remember thinking a little bit, yeah, you know, I have to keep my head on a swivel here in Arena Mexico. I, I I just feel like I could find an old lady who wants to take care of me. 
Okay. Yeah, sure. Wipe to wipe tenderly wipe the blood off your forehead. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, I guess plugs. We don't, you don't have anything to plug, right? You're on Twitter. I'm on I'm on Twitter. I don't think I've got anything to plug. Uh, uh, if anyone, I'm uh, involved in a in a I'm involved in a project where we're trying to restore a uh, an abolitionist house in Ohio. Uh, if anyone wants to, uh, it's hard to get funding from the from your bigger funders until you have lots of uh, lots of people contributing little piddly amounts of money so if anyone wants to do that that'd be great that's what i'm doing okay that's the other big project i'm doing outside of dustin yes we're writing a book on dustin Rhodes, so uh people should look out for that in i don't know 2023 2024 yeah. i don't know we'll get it written eventually it's gonna be really good when it comes out uh folks will enjoy it if they liked wave the blade and have liked you know the things that me and you have written over the years and uh uh, yeah, and check that out. And, and you'll have, uh, by the time this is released, you'll have written something on a uh, Fugo Fugo and Yuki Ishikawa in a tag match in the back of a, uh, uh, noodle shop in Tokyo in 2018 on Tsugu Nakaida. It's a clothing store. It's a clothing store. <laughs> Clearly. You can see the, you can see that they've like taped off the clothing to make sure no blood lands on it. Okay, so by the time that this comes out, you can go on Segunda Kaida and read a, ta- th- a paragraph and a half of Tom writing on uh, this. I put it couldn't be putting you more on the spot now to actually have to fucking do this. Yeah. Uh, on uh, Fugo Fugo and Yuki Ishikawa wrestling in a tidy rig at the back of a clothing store with chains instead of ring ropes in a tag match where the tag with two guys I've never heard of, uh, one on each side, and absolutely violently brutalized each other it's a it's a it's something and we'll the, the write-up of that is on segunda caida now because i'm putting this out in a week uh so check that out tom uh, you know one of my oldest and dearest friends it's always a pleasure to talk to you i'm sure i will have you back again and we will be back uh next week with another episode of way of the blade <laughs>